Hey, do you want to hear my podcast about things I've learned? No, I'll no. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Small Findings. I'm Jim Kang. I'm an artist and software developer. Like you, I'm swimming in a sea of information. Most of it just washes over me. It causes feelings, but doesn't really inform me in any meaningful way. So I've decided to pick a few bits of information each week that I think I've actually understood and absorbed. These are the findings. Some of them are things that everyone but me already knows, because there's a lot I don't know. But some of the findings may be things that you don't already know. So that's why I'm sharing them with you. All right, on to the findings. In the last episode, I talked about the coronavirus stimulus bill here in the United States, and I thought that despite some flaws, it was mostly helpful. The next day, my friend Dan told me about the signing statement that Trump had issued forth as he signed the bill. A signing statement is essentially a final executive edit to a bill. It cuts another huge hole in the United States government's design of checks and balances. The only thing stopping it from being used all the time is a respect for norms. So Trump's signing statement, I'll uh, link it in the show notes, says that he will treat the oversight provision as hortatory, not mandatory. It seems unlikely that he actually read the signing statement and knows what hortatory means. It means to treat the oversight as advice. He probably said, just make it so I could ignore this stuff. Uh, And then someone else wrote it up, which is probably not a surprise to anyone. He will ignore the provision that the Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery uh, should report to Congress when an agency refuses to provide information for audits and investigations. He will ignore the provision that executive branch members get approval from congressional committees to spend or reallocate the $500 billion. This means he could do anything he wants with the money. He will ignore, for example, section 744N parentheses D and other parts of the bill that require reporting to Congress. So again, While the extended and increased uh, unemployment payments are still there, which is good, the things that prevented the 500 billion from being a slush fund are just gone. Here's some findings about painting. If you've painted something that you think is too intense, you've you've added something to a painting, and uh, for example, it's like a stroke that's too dark, You can actually walk it back. I'm assuming that you're using acrylics here. And if you are, you can just pick up some water with your brush and then just scrub over the parts that you want to walk back. It'll work even if the paint has been on there for five minutes. The more you scrub, the more the paint that you added previously will diffuse and fade. Here are some things I found out about businesses. First up, Zoom. 
Zoom has a video conferencing product that you've probably heard of. It's very popular right now because of mass coronavirus quarantines. As documented by ProtonMail, which is uh, an email company that focuses on privacy issues, and as well as by other sources, Zoom has many privacy problems. Zoom allows the meeting host to track attention. To be specific, it tracks foreground app status. This is a uh, not a great precedent, I think. Zoom collects the text of chats and sends them to the host. Zoom collects, sometimes without asking, your physical address, your job, your employer, your Facebook profile, and uh, as, quoted, as it phrases it in its privacy policy, any information you upload, provide, or create while using the service. Zoom used to bypass browser security in order to start their app without users knowing that they have started. They did this uh, by installing a server on users' computers that would do the actual job of launching the app. However, that server was not secured. Any web page could get at it. They, you could, someone could get you to visit their web page and then they could launch your Zoom app and have access to your camera. Um, they were, this was pointed out and they, Zoom let this go for three months. According to Fight for the Future, and basically everyone else that's looked into this, Zoom lied for years about using end-to-end -end encryption. Back on March, 30, uh, March 30th, Consumer Reports pointed out that Zoom's privacy policy, as it, was for, as, as it was written, allowed them to collect, store, and share videos of conversations with third parties, as well as automatically generated transcripts of those conversations. Later that day, to their credit, Zoom updated their policy to exclude videos. Because of the power it gives hosts, lots of Zoom recordings have leaked via hosts just dumping them, just like dumping recordings out onto various unsecured spaces that could be looked at by anyone. I found out though that you could buy camera covers for your computer to make sure it's at least not recording video when you have the camera cover on. It still record audio though. My friend Eric just uses electrical tape. On March 23rd, the New York Times acquired Autumn. It's a company that turns long-form journalism into audio. And Autumn is spelled A-U-D-M. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing it right, but I could be wrong. Basically, it has people read long articles and then it lets customers listen to the audio of those readings. It's sort of like making audiobooks from news articles. I was expecting Autumn to be a company that used machine learning voices to read the articles uh, so that it could be done without any people or far fewer people. But it turns out they use professional voice actors. For now, there appears to be something that humans can do that eludes automation. Anecdotally, I have compared state-of-the-art text-to-speech output 
to voice uh, actor speech output head to head. And for longer bits of speech, um, human voices still connect more effectively, at least for me. And it's interesting to see that probably it probably does for lots of other people, uh, hence a whole company doing this. I was reading about a company local to me, I'm in Boston, and it was, it's called Wistia. It provides uh, hosting and tools for making videos, uh, specifically videos for marketing. So basically, commercials. Uh, the reason you'd use Wistia instead of just putting something up on YouTube uh, is that it's free of additional ads and other distractions. So if you made your commercial and you just put it on YouTube, what viewers would see would be the main content, which is your, your ad, but then there would be like a pre-roll ad from YouTube, ads on the side, probably recommendations on the side for Jordan Peterson or something about how feminism is horrible, um, you know, all that YouTube recommendation engine stuff. Um, but Wistia, you know, on Wistia, you just, just be able to show your commercial without extra stuff. In 20, the, the interesting thing about them is uh, in 2018, they borrowed $17.3 million from Excel KKR, which is a venture capital, you know, private equity kind of thing. A bunch of people who have money and give it to people and then make money back. Uh, but they borrowed it to buy back shares from their own early VC investors. So when Wistia started, they had early venture capital investors and they, those investors expected massive growth, which is what uh, VC investors always expect, right? That's, that's how they make their money from, you know, taking lots of gambles, uh, losing a lot of them, but they want the ones that come through to, you know, be huge, uh, have huge gains. Um, but Wistia did not grow in that way, but it was very healthy and made lots of revenue every year, right? It was a, it was a good company by any other measure, except, you know, the measure where you have to grow explosively. So this is why they bought back, uh, shares from their early investors. That way they could just be a regular company. They just made money and provided value. Um, but they're still beholden to someone, uh, Excel KKR, but from what I've read, they only owe them money. They don't owe them, um, explosive growth or anything like that. They have a five-year term and they have an interest rate that's higher than 10%. Um, so I don't have any idea if they paid it all back yet, but they did make $40 million in revenue in 2019. I think that's pretty interesting uh, and encouraging a company that is just making money and making what they want to and not worrying about explosive growth. Unfortunately, they're, they're in the advertising business. That has taken a huge hit as a result of all these mass quarantines and layoffs and uh, unemployment. 
I've heard a lot about the impact of the mass quarantines on the advertising industry. I wanted to get a sense of how big that impact was. Handily, my friend Amin sent me a New York Times article that I'll link in the show notes. This article sized it up. The ad industry employs about 500,000 people in the United States. During the Great Recession, $60.5 billion in global ad spending evaporated. It took eight years for the industry to get that back. Spending on digital ads for um, digital advertising for March and April is down 38% from what companies had expected to spend. Uh, Ad spending has fallen uh, the following amounts in the following categories. It's fallen 41% on TV, 45% on radio, 43% in print, and 51% on billboards and other outdoor platforms. Companies that are buying advertising are stipulating that their ads not appear near articles that are negative. For example, articles about coronavirus or joblessness or death. The Guardian and the Daily Mail teamed up to write an open letter that said that this kind of stipulating will cost news outlets more than $60 million if the pandemic lasts at least three more months. And now for some small findings about food. I've been trying to appreciate black coffee lately because it doesn't use up cream and sugar. And that reduces very slightly how often you have to go out into crowded virusy grocery stores. However, I've learned that black coffee, when first poured out of the craft, is significantly hotter than coffee with cream. Cream cools down coffee, which I bet everyone else already realized. So I burned my tongue slightly. But I took a note on this, so I'm sure to avoid any burning next time. About beans. I think the mass quarantines may have ignited everyone's interest in beans. However, we've been cooking canned black beans for tacos every week for quite a while because my kid likes them. This last Tuesday, I learned that it's best to stop while there's still some of the liquid left, uh, assuming you're cooking beans in a pan. For whatever reason, uh, you still always cook until the liquid is absorbed. When you leave some liquid, the beans are softer, and they take on that nice Mexican restaurant side dish texture. About scallions. Scallions improve a lot of things, like uh, ramen, for example. Uh, But I found out the other day that if you're making a tuna salad sandwich, um, by which, by tuna salad, I mean, you know, just mayo and tuna, uh, chopped up scallions in the tuna salad bring a refreshing contrast to the tuna, mayo, and salt. About stale bread, according to Bon Appetit, stale bread can be restored to freshness. Here's what you do. You soak the exterior in water under the faucet, which is weird, as they say in the article, uh, but, but necessary. And then you heat it for seven minutes at 325 degrees Fahrenheit in the oven. 
I tried this with the stale baguette. I actually had to cut a moldy spot out of it, and it worked. It was uh, it was moist, fresh, um, good, basically. And, you know, the outside wasn't soggy either. Uh, my partner, Kat, agreed that it tasted better than when we had initially got the baguette. So I went on a restoration spree. I guess this is kind of stretching it. Um, a spree of two kinds of food restored. And I tried the same thing with grapes. Uh, what I did was I took some frozen and withered grapes that were probably six months old and nobody wanted. I boiled them in a saucepan until they became round again. And then I took them out and ate them. They retained their flavor and they had fresh grape texture. However, they were also hot. If you bite into these without letting them cool down, they may shoot hot juice into your mouth. So be careful with this. Okay, I've let Dr. Wiley into the room. She's a cat. She's wanted to come in. What have you learned? What have you found this week? Anything? Wait, what? Okay, that's a good finding. Thank <laughs> you.